What's up, guys? Chris Harry with you on a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. Coming up a bit later, Gil Manzano, Southern California News Group, will join me. We'll recap the week that was at the podium during Chargers OTAs. But my first guest, the NFL editor at USA Today, he's also the author of The Genius of Desperation. We did this a few years ago. Doug Farrar joins me here on the podcast. Doug, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, man. I love your work. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Got the powder blue on. I uh, got my 1963 Uncrowned Champs book, so we're ready to go. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, there's so many places we can start. You wrote about Brandon Staley during the playoffs. Uh, just your initial thoughts and, and reaction when he was hired to the Chargers in January. Not surprised. I mean, you know, you get a lot of defensive coaches who – just ascend and all of a sudden, hey, they're the guy. And he was obviously the guy last year. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I think what he set up for the Rams and they had the personnel to do it. I think the Chargers have a lot of similar types of personnel. And we can talk about that. But certainly, um, you know, when he was Vic Fangio's assistant in Chicago and the Bears just beat the daylights out of the Rams, <laughs> I think that was in 2018 and like Jared Goff's worst game ever. And Sean McVay said, that guy, meaning Staley, just killed my offense. I need to hire him. And he did. And we all saw what happened. Um, you know, Staley, it's it, from a, just a tendency standpoint. I mean, the Chargers played zone on 61% of their snaps last season. They didn't blitz a lot. They sent four rushers on 82% of their snaps, which ranked third in the NFL. The Rams played zone 66% of the time, sent four rushers 70% of the time. So, uh, on the surface, just as far as personnel and sort of usage, it's kind of similar to what Gus did last year. But what mm -hmm. Staley does post-snap is really different. And it, I think it starts with a lot of too high safety looks. And this is where Derwin James becomes obviously really interesting um, because he can also play all over the place. And, and they'd run a lot of too high and then bring one of the safeties down and play cover one or cover three. And they were especially effective in cover three because then you'd have, you know, John Johnson come down, um, you know, Derwin James would be playing that sort of star role or excuse me, Jalen Ramsey would be playing that star role. I think Derwin can play as well. And you never really knew what you were going to get. And then in the fronts, they didn't blitz a lot, but all kinds of stunts, all kinds of line movement. And certainly, uh, you know, with, with Bosa and, you know, uh, Linval Joseph, who I did a piece on the best pass rushers from every gap uh, last week. And Joseph was in there as I believe the two Y. So they've got the personnel wow. to do a lot of different things after the snap presenting quarterbacks with one thing pre-snap and one other thing post-snap. I think Steeler was as good as any coach in the league last year at that. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that from the Chargers. He's been awesome to listen to Doug his, from his first presser to just throughout this off season. He, he's very, he's very passionate and it, it shines through in his pressers. Uh, he talked about personnel groupings, using them as a weapon, being a matchup driven team. Yes. And, I look at guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. His Donald and Ramsey essentially here is Joey Bosa and Derwin James. And I think in the last chapter of your book, you talk about just the positional versatility of guys. And I think you use like Deion Buchanan and Tyron Matthews as an example. Mm -hmm. Derwin James, we have yet to really see him outside his, his first year when he was a, an all pro as a rookie, but he could play 
corner. He could play linebacker. He could play safety. He's a positionless player. He may be the second or third best pass rusher on the team. Uh, a healthy Derwin James, what does he mean to this Brandon Staley defense? Well, I have the numbers. Uh, in his career, and obviously it's been abbreviated by injury, unfortunately, 320, this is per pro football focus, 320 snaps on the defensive line, 617 in the box, 233 at free safety, 265 in the slot, 33 at outside corner. So he will play everywhere. Um, yeah. And I think in today's NFL, you need at least one of those guys, uh, if not more. Uh, certainly in the defensive backfield, if you've got just static coverage at this point, you're in trouble. Because if offenses know what they're going to see, and again, we go back to what Steely did pre-snap and what he showed post-snap with the Rams. Um, if you're just doing static and that's it, uh, you've got problems on defense. And, and certainly with the Derwin James, and I know Steely has spoken about uh, Derwin's versatility. Um, he could be that star, that sort of movable, that, that joker who can, you know, it's another way to affect the quarterback's view of the field because, well, why is he up here? You know, he's kind of playing like a slot deep safety role. Well, he may be crashing down to stop the, you know, the inside slant drag route. And you didn't see it coming because he was way up here. Um, it's a lot of deception. It's a lot of assignment correctness. And I think, you know, with Derwin James, certainly with Asante Samuel Jr., uh, Mike Davis, one of the more underrated zone cornerbacks. I mean, they've got the personnel. Um, to really make what Staley prefers to do on defense important. And that sort of quote-unquote positionless player is a big part of it. You talk about opportunistic corners. You know, Chris Harris Jr. has been doing that his whole career. But uh, Asante Samuel Jr., you wrote why he's a perfect fit for what Brandon Staley does. I don't know if you can go into that a little bit. And then also just to piggyback off that, uh, you had Mike Davis, I think, as – one of the 11 best zone corners in football going into last year. So, yes. you know, you see Casey Hayward depart, but when you get Derwin James back, you re-sign Mike Davis, Chris Harris Jr., you hope is healthy. And then you bring in Asante Samuel Jr., who can get the football. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a, a pretty nice starting point for the Chargers. The Rams also played a lot of cover six, which, as you know, is cover two to one side, quarters to the other. So you're again, you're you're looking generic too high, and then all of a sudden it becomes something else. Well, I did a pre-draft study of the best cornerbacks in every type of coverage, and Asante Samuel was the best corner cover six corner because he can play, you know, sort of a lane to one side, or he can play at you know quarter of the field. He can play quarter, quarter, half. He can, he's very aware, especially in zone coverage. He can do whatever he wants. Um, that's a big deal. Chris Harris, and I've been writing about Chris probably since 2013 when I really started paying attention to slot corners. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Chris Harris is the best slot defender in NFL history. Just you look at the body of work. And one of the things that I think makes him, I've, I've talked to Chris a few times when he was in Denver and, um, he's such a smart guy and so aware of the entire defense. I know Staley has talked a lot about having John Johnson with the Rams, who's now in Cleveland, as sort of his shot caller on defense. I could see Harris kind of playing that role um, as well. And then Davis, yeah, he's just, you know, really smooth mover. Um, again, understands that zone stuff. And, they, the, you know, Staley will play some man. But it's really, it's not about the old school, you know, cover three, we're just going to go our guys against your guys. Yeah. It's 
you know, it looks like cover two or it looks like two men and all of a sudden it's base cover three. And you're like, well, we didn't really see this coming. And it's cover three with some interesting wrinkles in the box and out to the flats and, you know, up the seam and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's um, it again, you go back to the personnel and the fit and you can see why Staley's pretty excited about getting this defense on the field. You know, to, Doug, I, I'm really excited to see what Nazir Adderley does this yes. year because th- that's another guy who has not played with Derwin James. He had some injury troubles first year. Uh, both he and Kenneth Murray talked about how they're excited about this system and what it presents for them. Kenneth Murray thinks he's going to be able to go a little bit more downhill, uh, what he did at Oklahoma. But Nas Adderley, he got the football at Delaware, and, and I can envision him and Derwin James uh, doing some damage in that secondary. That's another guy who, you know, Drew Tranquil was hurt last year. Kenneth, obviously, he started all 16 games, but he was a rookie and he was kind of uh, kind of finding his way a little bit. But Adderley's the guy for me that could really be an X factor in that secondary. Well, if you had, and my comp for Adderley coming out of school was Darnell Savage, um, just a great deep third defender. Good. And I think if Adderley can become that in the NFL, if you have that deep third eraser, it allows you to do so many more different, because now the post is taken out, you know, the, the deep seam to either side is taken out because you have that guy. Um, at that point, Derwin can do everything. He becomes, you know, the X factor. That's what he becomes. He's, he's, he's the versatile guy. Um, he's that sort of star. So then you have him as kind of the Jalen Ramsey, Maybe um, maybe Adderley is the sort of John Johnson, the deep guy who who can come down, who can also cover. Um, yeah, that that becomes a big part of it, and and having that deep third, because if you don't have that, then you have to run more standard too high. You can't do as many post snap shifts in coverage, and quarterbacks have an easier time of it, and that's obviously yeah. not what you want. Absolutely. And, you know, you flip it to offense, Justin Herbert in year two, a new offensive system. Joe Lombardi comes in, going to bring a lot of that New Orleans influence. Uh, He spoke at the podium this week, also said, hey, we got got Shane Day as a quarterback's coach, came from San Francisco, uh, Frank Smith and company uh, come from Vegas. Uh, Just with Justin last year, what did you see that impressed you the most that maybe surprised you a little bit? I was very surprised. I, you know, it's not like I thought Herbert was going to be terrible, but I didn't see at Oregon what I saw with the Chargers, and it was pretty immediate. And I think when that happens, as evaluators, you know, you try and get this right, and sometimes you go with an offensive system the player's in as opposed to the player's traits and attributes in isolation. And I think with Herbert, I did that a little too much. That Oregon offense was kind of – the best way I could describe it is it was a, a kind of a hesitation offense. He had to wait a lot for his guys to come over. Yeah. It wasn't really a schemed open system as much as you would like it to be for a quarterback. So what I saw on tape from Herbert of Oregon was a lot of hesitation, a lot of you know, kind of throwing on the run or, you know, moving out of the pocket and then kind of freezing. And, you know, what am I supposed to do? So he comes in and not only right away is he just blowing it up, setting records from, was it, uh, I think his first five games, he had, you know, he's, he was setting records from the start and he did it in a situation where they kind of expected Tyrod Taylor and then, you know, Tyrod Taylor couldn't for obvious reasons. So they just kind of throw him in 100 miles an hour and he just takes it. He was so much more decisive. Um, 
he saw the field so much better than I expected. And, you know, the, the under pressure stuff really was great. And I, I think the two most remarkable things, and I have the numbers here, the thing that really impressed me for any rookie quarterback to come in and say, okay, I'm going to define to the defense what you can and can't do. When you yeah. pressure Justin Herbert last year, it did not go well for you. When you threw man coverage at him, it didn't go well for you. But pressured last season, Herbert completed 110 of 100, 110 of 193 passes for almost 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Uh, only Russell Wilson and Josh Allen had more touchdown passes, and no quarterback who took at least 50% of his snaps last season had a higher pass rating under pressure than Herbert's 99.4, and it wasn't close. Matthew Stafford finished second at 91.8, and against man coverage, he was even better. So when you have a rookie quarterback coming into the NFL with all the complications, learning a new system, kind of unlearning what you knew, um, you know, I think you're going to find that with Josh Palmer. Some of these college offenses just don't showcase the players the way they should be, and then they hit the NFL and they get this bump in efficiency and effectiveness, and certainly Herbert did that. There, You know, there was – I think even if Joe Burrow had lasted his entire rookie season, I think Herbert would have been the rookie of the year going away. It, it, was, just, it was an incredibly impressive season. And right from the start, it was like something about that offense just unleashed him. And he said, okay, now I can be who I really am. And we all saw it. And this was with an offensive line that, that was injured and, and was kind of at the bottom half of the league. And you bring in Corey Lindsley. You draft for Sean Slater. You get Matt Filer from the Steelers, Odeabushi, and you hope Ryan Bulaga can stay healthy yeah. in 2021. So you have the offensive line now. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Austin Eckler. I'm curious what you think of what Joe Lombardi is going to do. And obviously, we look back his time in New Orleans. Uh, he's had a lot of good players uh, from Drew Brees to Sproles to Camara to Michael Thomas to Colston. Uh, what do you think this offense is going to look like? And we could start with Eckler, who really in, in his brief time with the Chargers, he's lined up all over the field. And, and I could see this happening again. And I think we talked about this offline. Yep. Uh, well, let's start with the offensive line because, and I'm not, trying to bag on Dan Feeney just you know he 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 tied for the most pressures allowed among centers last year uh with Connor McGovern of the Jets and now I think Feeney's with the Jets so ouch yeah um I believe Corey Lindsay allowed three total pressures last season in a high volume passing game that went through the NFC championship pretty he's good the best center he's the best center in the NFL I, I believe Lindsley is. And then you get Rashawn Slater, who the last time we saw him was beating the daylight side of Chase Young, who is the reigning defensive rookie of the year. And now he gets to protect the blind side of the reigning offensive rookie of the year. Pretty good. Transition. And we'll see that. We'll see that week one too, Doug, which is I great. Know, Washington football be, team. I love it. That's going to be fun. So you start there. Um, Herbert gets to kind of get used to, Hey, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting flushed out all the time. Yeah, you know, we all know who Keenan Allen is. He's he's the he's the ultimate. I'm gonna get open. I might not, I might not be the fastest. I might not be the most explosive, but I will always get open. Preeminent route runner of his era. We all know this. Um, you know, they've got some explosive guys. If they want to go more deep passing game, I think the Saints didn't do that as much the last couple of seasons. That was probably more about 
Breeze, and then when Breeze is hurt, Bridgewater, not really a deep pass, and then you get the Taysom Hill thing. We don't really know what that is. Um, but when Breeze was at his peak, I mean, they were flinging the ball down the field all the time. The most interesting thing to me, and Lombardi has already spoken about this with with Eckler. He's compared him to three backs in New Orleans, uh, Reggie Bush, Darren Darren Sproles, and Alvin Kamara. And what do those guys have in common? You go back to the Reggie Bush era, I would argue, I would posit that the Saints with Reggie Bush invented the need for the base nickel defense because you've got Reggie Bush in the backfield, aligning to the slot 200 times a season, that third linebacker has to come off the field because it's a, it's, there are very few linebackers, especially at that time when you weren't drafting these 220 pound, you know, safeties playing linebacker in the first round. Um, and then you go to Sproles who had that same thing and, and certainly Kamara. And, you know, I was watching a uh, rewatching Eckler kind of in preparation for this. And it's like, Oh, there he's, you know, scoring a, you know, wheel route touchdown against the Chiefs from outside. He's moving from outside to the slot. He's moving from the backfield into the formation with the slaughter outside. You can move him all over the place. And it kind of becomes like we were talking about Derwin James as the the movable guy. Uh, I think it's just as important on offense to have players you can move all over the place pre-snap. And it affects what the defense does post-snap. And Eckler is certainly that guy as good as anyone in the league when it comes to Wherever you put him in the formation, he's not, you know, Le'Veon Bell at his peak was like this. He's not just running wheel routes. This guy can run a full route tree. And when you have that as an offensive coordinator, especially when you're an OC used to backs who can do that, it's just, you know, you can kind of take more of your playbook over to this. Doug, I've always said this. I don't even consider Austin Eckler a running back. He's just he's that OW, right? The offensive weapon who you put yep. everywhere. Uh, one of the reasons too, you, you beef up the offensive line. You do it for Justin Herbert, obviously, but you also do it to, you know, open up some holes for guys like Eckler and Justin Jackson and, and Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree the third, who they got from Missouri. Uh, I'm just curious when you look at what the Saints were able to do in the run game in, in recent years. How can that help a quarterback like Justin, especially if you can get guys like Justin Jackson, who, you know, was so healthy at Northwestern, hasn't been able to to really stay healthy as much in the pros. Um, Joshua Kelly from UCLA. If you can get those guys going at four or five yards a clip, uh, what does that do for Justin in the passing game? Yeah, I mean, they don't have a Nick Chubb, per se. They don't have the power back who's going to get 1,500 yards and, and whatever. And you don't need that sure. in the NFL. Um, you don't need a bell cow back. There are some people who say running backs don't matter. I don't agree. Um, I think every position matters. But certainly in this, I mean, Lindsley is a dynamic run blocker. And you go back to his time in Green Bay. Obviously, they had Aaron Jones, who was all over the place catching a ton of passes. So um, there's that familiarity familiarity there and you know Lindsay is a, a very agile blocker but he's also he can also be physical and Slater my goodness that guy's a bully I mean he's agile he can you know flare out he's good in the arc and all that but were you surprised you know, he he went at 13 am I surprised he lasted that long yes yeah. uh he was he was I mean really I, Penny Sewell was my OT one, but Slater was my OT one a. It, it was a toss up for me. It was a push. Yeah. Um, so was I surprised he lasted that long? Yeah. 
and I'm, I'm thinking, gosh, Tom Telesco, that, that that whole staff must have been just so happy that, oh, hey, you know, maybe the best offensive tackle in this draft class falls into our lap in a position of desperate need, and here we go. Yeah, no question. Uh, Doug, this is awesome stuff, man. I know our fans are really going to appreciate your insight. Uh, as we kind of slow down before training camp, I always try to give people – book recommendations and, and kind of ramp up for the, for the 2021 season, uh, the genius of desperation. You wrote it a few years ago for those who don't know of the book, explain the book and where they can get it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, it is a schematic history of pro football from 1920 to the almost present. It was published in 2018. I think most of the stuff still applies as you talked about the positional football stuff in the final chapter uh, were I to do it, you know, Part two, I would probably do three or more chapters on just that. Um, I'd talk more about pre-snap motion and, you know, matchup defenses and how it's become a matchup league. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, really starts in the 50s, and I have a whole chapter on the American Football League. So there's a guy named Sid Gilman who's mentioned quite a lot. Um, yeah, it's a, it was a fun book to write, and I hope people enjoy it. Awesome. Doug, I kept you longer than I said, but uh, I enjoyed the conversation. Man. Oh, I did. I hope to see you this fall. Come on out to camp. Come on out to SoFi Stadium, man. We'd love to have you. Uh, I, well, I know I'll be there for the Super Bowl. Hopefully, I can get there before. Absolutely. Maybe I'll Thanks see you so there. Much, Who knows? Hey. Absolutely. hey, you know what? You're in Seattle, right? I think the Chargers yep. play the Seahawks in preseason. So maybe maybe there. Maybe there we can chat to a preseason game. Yeah. <laughs> Doug, thanks so much, man. Thank you. Well, it was a busy week in Costa Mesa, now joined by Gilman Zano, Southern California News Group, Compass on the Beat, big time podcast. Uh, Chad Ochocinco, Gil, this week? Yeah, it was a fun uh, Compass on the Beat episode with Chad Johnson, Ochocinco. He has a big fight on Sunday on the, the circus that is Floyd Mayweather against Logan Paul, the YouTuber. So uh, it was fun to kind of catch up and uh, tie in both worlds, boxing and football. You know I love both sports, Chris. No question. Well, you know, we got to listen to that. And then are you getting that fight, by the way? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the plan. When I saw it was under uh, 60 bucks, I said, OK, I'll, I'll go all in, but not anything under $60. So I know it's not a traditional boxing car, but uh, I'm kind of a sucker sometimes when it comes to Floyd Mayweather. I am, too. I, I always say with a fight, like, I'm not going to get the fight. I'm not going to get the fight. And then it gets three hours, two hours, an hour closer. Like, I'm going to get the fight. <laughs> that always happens. Uh, well, hey, man, I'd like to be on Copas on the beat one time. If I can oh, get definitely. an invite, let's go, man. You know, we talk a lot of Chargers, Chris, and I know you do more than Chargers, Lakers, too, and that's what we do as well. So you're versatile like us. You got to jump on it and talk uh, uh, all the sports you know because I know you bring the knowledge, man. Let's let's talk all things L.A. sports. But, hey, it was a busy week at the podium. I mean, we heard from all three coordinators. We heard from Kenneth Murray. We heard from Nas Adderley. It went like 90 plus minutes. Uh, there was a lot to take away. What kind of stood out to you? <laughs> yeah, that, that was probably the longest time I spent on Zoom in the last year. But yeah, you're right. There, there was a lot to kind of consume. Uh, but I feel like all the beat reporters kind of agreed that the, the main takeaway was Kenneth Murray. Uh, you know, with Kenneth Murray last year, we kept trying to wait to see when he would have a breakout game. And, and I think it kind of happened in that. That debacle Patriots game when they were down 45-0, he was the only one showing a heart and, and fighting to he the He was end. all over the field. Yeah, and he was moving. And from there, you saw he picked it up. The thing with Kenneth Murray, it, it was a hard scheme to kind of, uh, you know, grasp with Gus Bradley because they asked him a lot to kind of be a, a pass coverage guy, uh, defend the middle, 
limit the big plays. And for him, that's not what he did in college. So now with Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill, the new uh, defensive coordinators and the coaches, you know, they say you're going to be a downhill uh, linebacker. And, and Kenneth Murray said that's music to his ears because that's what he did in college. You know, last year, a lot of the reporters would kind of wonder, when is he going to blitz more? When is he going to be a pass rusher? And maybe he won't be kind of a, you know, a heavy pass rusher, but he's going to go after the ball. And, and when it comes to the running and passing the coverages, he's going to be downhill, like you said. And you can see him very happy. So I think for Kenneth Murray to kind of hear that from the new coach and stuff, I'm guessing he's very excited for year two. Yeah, he said it, it 100% fits his strengths, obviously what he did at Oklahoma. And Gil, I, I'm just wondering out loud, like, had Drew Tranquil been healthy last year, would Murray's role have been the same or would he have been able to do a little bit more of that? So having Tranquil next to Murray is just going to make both of them better players. But but I, I wonder, too, with Tranquil in the mix and, and playing beside Murray this year, what that linebacking core is going to look like, because, you know, Staley's going to put both of those guys in a position to be successful and cater to their strengths. Yeah, I don't want to say the loss of Drew Tranquil really hurt Kenneth Murray. You know, overall, it hurt the team. But I think Kenneth Murray yeah. is so versatile and has a, a deep skill set that, you know, the prior coaching staff probably saw, OK, we lost Tranquil. But I think Kenneth Murray could handle this. It might be a little rocky and maybe it took a little longer. But after, you know, but like I mentioned in that Patriots game, he he figured it out. And maybe for this year, it might work out for the best. He's an all around linebacker, very versatile. OK, you want to ask him to defend the pass or, you know, defend the tight end. He could do it because he has experience. So. Uh, you're probably right, uh, Chris. Maybe that wasn't the plan at the beginning. Maybe it would have been you know, Drew Tranquil handling most of the, the the coverages when it comes out because he was great in that uh, uh, as a rookie. And now we forget because they didn't play last year. That this, how 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 promising this duel could be. And we saw it at OTAs in the middle as Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray, 49 and number nine, two nines there. Now that I think yeah. about it. And that could be a pretty fun duel. And it's kind of the same thing that we, we say about Derwin James and Nas Adderley. Like, this duel could be great, but they got to be healthy. So maybe for 2021, now with a different scheme and, and a coach who likes to kind of bring out the best when it comes to what you do best in terms of talent, that could be fun to see this, this dual linebacker in 2021. You know, Nas Adderley is another guy that I'm really excited about his prospects in 2021. Playing next to Derwin James, uh, he was he was fun to listen to at the podium as well because I think he started it by when someone asked him about the defense, he just said, just to put it plainly, I'm very, very excited. Uh, Renato Hill said that he's been taking on kind of a leadership role. He said they've been doing this thing, Kahoot, where they like do these, these app-based quizzes on, on different things, and, and Nas has been dominating everybody in that. So th that's another guy who well, you go back and I was just talking to Doug Farrar about this. You go back to what he did at Delaware. He, he got the football him next to Derwin James in this new look secondary is one of those kind of key storylines I'm looking at in July when training camp starts. Yeah. For, for Nas, you know, it was a rocky uh, sophomore year and, and, and you could call it a rookie year because he was hurt his rookie year. And when we first met Nas, like a redshirt year, right? Yeah, it was like a redshirt year, and he, and he was starting, and he got the hang of it, but it was a little rocky. But but with Nas, when we first met him, you you get the sense of excitement, how eager he was to play next to Derwin James on the football field, and maybe that kind of you know hurt him a little bit. And then rookie year being too eager, but now you're seeing the eagerness uh, when it comes to the classroom. You know, Ronaldo Hill said that this uh, trivia game is a kahoot. You said, Chris. Uh, Kahoot, that, yeah, yeah, that, that he's winning everything. So that shows what type of guy he is. That when it comes to any type of you know you know competitive event off the field or on the field with cards or whatever, it's gonna be Nas leading the way because he's, he's that exciting kind of player. So 
you're right. You know, when it comes to the new coaches, have a lot of the, a lot of the players get excited, and I think it was a big win for the defensive guys to get Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill. And Ronaldo Hill, being a former defensive back in the NFL for many years, could benefit guys like Nas Adderley, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., a guy who's done it before for many years. So I think for Nas, it could be a big uh, year three, and and that's the thing for for the for the Chargers to hire Brandon Staley. There's a lot of guys who were drafted very high, uh, Nwusu, Tillery and Adderley and Kenneth Murray, who are kind of, you know, finding, try to find their niche. And I think this coach is that could be that staff to, you know, get the best of what these guys do best on the field. That's a great point. I mean, from, from Tillery to Murray to Tranquil to Adderley, if you can get, get those guys to kind of take that next step in their career in this new defense, obviously with Derwin coming back and it's, it's easy to say, and I could just put it plainly, like Derwin, is going to make this thing go. Like if he's healthy for 16 games, you saw what he did his rookie year. He's the type of guy who can make an indelible impact every single game, Gil. And, and then just the, the opportunistic guys in the back end, Asante Samuel, Chris Harris Jr., you hope is healthy. Uh, Mike Davis, uh, th- that Russian cover working together with Bosa and obviously seeing Yuchenna Nuoso, who you mentioned. I think you asked the question of Ronald Hill about Yuchenna Nuoso. This is a big year for him, uh, getting to the quarterback, uh, kind of taking that role of, of Melvin Ingram, and we'll see what he does with it. Yeah, you know, before I get to Derwin James on Nuoso, it is going to be, be a big year for him because I don't think Melvin Ingram is coming back to the Chargers, and you can't just let it be Joy Bosa and, and the rest of the guys. You, you, we got to learn these other names, these other guys like Jared Terry, yeah. Nwusu, and it's, it's definitely this this game that likes to blitz a lot. I know with, with the prior regime, it was a lot of you know rushing four, but these guys are going to rush way more guys, and you need a pressure and sacks, and Nwusu going into year four. It, this is his year. It's his time to shine. He's kind of been a rotational player, and maybe – you know, that's kind of hurt both sides that he's not on the field often. But now it's, that's why I asked Ronaldo Hill, what have you seen from this guy? Because he, he's shown flashes. Now, on Derwin James, he's going to make everybody's life easier. Joy, we, we haven't really talked to Joey Bosa because we know what Joey Bosa is going to do every Sunday. But he needs help, too. Like, he's out there kind of, you know, being a one-man team. He can't have all the pressures alone. So Derwin James could be a pass rusher. Derwin James could be a linebacker. He could be a safety. He could be a cornerback. And it's a lot of pressure to put on one guy, Derwin James. But... If he stays healthy, it's going to help out the entire defense. And I think this is when the defense could be, you know, maybe even better than 2018 when they won 12 games. This even could be, you know, top five. And we say that every year because on paper, it's a very stacked uh, defense. It looks pretty, but they got to be healthy. You got to have Drew Tranquil and you got to have, of course, Derwin James. And you got to bring some help for Joey Bosa as well. You know, just just talking out loud here, Justin Jones is another guy who he's kind of in that that category of, Young players who you hope and expect to take that next step in this Brandon Staley system. So, I mean, we, we talked about Tillery, Jones, Murray, Tranquil, Adderley, uh, Mike Davis. That's another guy that they said they can get more out of. Uh, and, you know, Mike had a good year last year. Uh, the, the coordinators all spoke. Ronaldo Hill, I, I like what you said. I, I think the fact that he has that playing experience and – you know, Derwin and Nas can, can look at a guy who's like, hey, this guy played in the league. He knows what it's like to prepare for a game, practice. So I think that connection of, of having a, a former player who's, you know, fairly recently removed from the league as your coordinator, uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, you know, Chris, I like to go back to, to the hiring process for a head coach. 
there was a lot of talk about getting Justin Herbert, uh, offensive guru, a uh, quarterback whisper, because when you have a, a prize quarterback that young, you want, you, you want to focus on him, but we forget how much Tom Telesco has invested on the defense. And, and you mentioned Justin Jones and you, and you gave a whole lineup. And I'm like, yeah, that guy too, that guy too. And they need to reach your potential. And they're, 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 they're all in flashes. that same category. Yeah, right? they're, they're all. And that's why, you know, I think I saw they're, they're one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And, and but there, there's a lot of potential and promise and you mentioned Ronaldo Hill and and I, I'm eager to see how they un, unlock that potential with all these guys and you know we haven't even talked about Limbaugh Joseph but he's gonna do what he does every Sunday we know about that but there's a lot of guys on this defense and I think this coach and said Brandon Staley could take it to the next level and we talk a lot about Brandon Staley and what he does uh, as, a, as a play caller we did with the Rams was great and, and an offseason that was so strange to make him the top rated defense in the NFL we forget about Ronaldo Hill. It's going to be kind of a brainstorming back and forth. Like I'm curious to see what can Ronaldo Hill bring to the table. There's a reason why. There's a reason why Brandon Savior brought him because he, he's a big fan of his. So I think having two minds like that could work out for the best for everybody and for these promising players on the field. Another guy I always enjoy listening to is Darius Swinton, the second, the the special teams coordinator. He's always impressive. Uh, I I love hearing some of the things he had to say. I think my favorite quote I put on, on Twitter is like, if you're going to ask me a question, just don't bring me an apple. Come with a specific question. There's so many guys that uh, they have to evaluate from now until the end of August, Gil, in terms of who's going to make this team and, and special teams is that path. Are you going to excel on special teams? We know what happened last year. It's well documented. There's going to be competition at all levels of special teams. And it, it was fun for, for Coach Swinton to kind of outline kind of what the expectations are. He said he, he puts together voiceovers, PowerPoint presentations. These guys have all the tools they need to know exactly what's expected of them. Yeah, you know, with, with Derek, he, he's an interesting guy. And I, and I love talking to him because he keeps it honest. And he's, he, he wants you to ask all the tough questions. And you see that with the players as well and yeah last year was rocky for special teams we all know that so when it got that ugly why be shy with the question you know get better you know improve and i like that darius is is, uh, bringing competition you look at the specialists there's multiple kickers on the roster there's multiple long snappers multiple punters so after last year everybody's job better be on the line and you better bring your best uh come training camp because darius is gonna gonna you know you know weed out the people who, who are not meant to be on this roster and he's so competitive, too. He's talking about betting $1 for, for games. And you don't yeah. hear coaches talk about betting. He's like, he's like, I don't care. I checked the rules already. You could bet dollars. It's okay. We all make money in this league. So I love that honesty. And, and you could tell that he had a big influence in, in the draft because a lot of these guys they drafted, they, they, they play special teams. They know how to block. They, they know the fundamentals. And now it's up to, to dares to kind of put that all together. And they even brought a veterans like, like Kyler Fackro. Uh, and Ryan Smith, who just won a Super yeah, Bowl, that's going to be big overall. So I think overall, uh, Tom Telesco really revamped this uh, this special teams, and now it's the the keys are handed to Darius Winton. Some of those core guys that, frankly, the Chargers didn't have last year. When 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 Adrian Phillips went to the Patriots, and and Derek Watt, for instance, went to uh, the Steelers, and Dzubnar went to Tennessee. Those are guys who are core special teamers. You bring in some of those vets, and then you mix in. You know, you have nine draft picks. There's a lot of these guys from Nick Neiman to Larry Roundtree who didn't necessarily play special teams in college because so much was uh, expected of them on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, respectively. But they've done it before. And, you know, when you have nine picks in camp, you better believe you better play special teams and you better excel on special teams if you're going to make the roster. 
Yeah, I look at wide receiver. That position is 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 a logjam. It's loaded and it's crowded. It's so great, Gil. That's that's a storyline I'm fascinated by because we know Keenan, we know Mike. You know, you draft Josh Palmer in the third round for a reason. T. Billy, Jalen Guyton, K.J. Hill, Joe Reed. That's a crowded uh, wide receiver group right now. Yeah, you could keep going because there's so many guys. Yeah. And, and part of the way to do it to, to win a roster spot is special teams. Maybe Joe Reed figures it out as a kick returner, and that helps him out to stay on, on, on the roster. Uh, you know, maybe K.J. Hill gets better as a punt returner, and he stays on the roster. But, yeah, you're right. When you draft a guy in the third round like, you know, like Josh Palmer, and that, that, that tells you that they want these other guys to kind of step it up. There's competition. So, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of storylines in training camp. And I mentioned all the specialists there. I'm going to be watching the kickers too as well. But wide receiver is going to be very intriguing. And, but it's, it's good for Justin Herbert. There's a lot of weapons. And we know Justin Herbert likes to spread the ball around. And we talk about Mike Williams and, and uh, Keenan Allen a lot. But Ty, uh, Tyron Johnson and Jalen Gatton were great at, at stretching the field. So, uh, but there's not a lot of snaps for everybody. So, you know, four guys got to win these, uh, these uh, snaps. It's a great segue into Joe Lombardi, who we got to hear from for the first time in a while. And it, it was refreshing to hear, you know, him talk about this offense, his, his early impressions of Justin, called him a perfectionist, said uh, he's excited for him to actually uh, uncork that arm. They haven't been throwing at OTAs, but uh, a guy who obviously is highly intelligent, going to pick up this system. Uh, Lombardi talked about just having that that element of the New Orleans system with some sprinkles of San Francisco from Shane Day and, and uh, Vegas with Frank Smith. So what did you take from Joe outside of just talking about the system in general? He talked about a lot of guys from Justin to Mike Williams to Austin Eckler. Yeah, you know, I'll start with, with Mike Williams. You know, Michael is kind of a guy who never had, you know, gets a lot of targets. He never really, really pats the, the stat sheet like he and Allen does. But he makes these plays count when they come, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. Big plays on the field can stress the field. But it seems now with Joe Lombardi, he's gonna, you know, throw. He's gonna feed Mike Williams. He's gonna, you know, give him his targets. He, he mentioned the the X position, and, and he said Michael Thomas had that position. And Michael Thomas has, you know, one of the he has some he of the best a lot of balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of balls. But with Keenan Allen, so you you think that Michael Thomas is more like Keenan Allen? But Lombardi saying no, no, it could be Mike Williams because Keenan Allen's gonna get his catches like always. in one of the best third down wide receivers in the in the NFL. Uh, so for Mike Williams, he must be excited to hear that because it's always weird to Mike Williams. He gets a thousand yards, but not the touchdowns. He gets the 10 touchdowns, but not the thousand yards. So this could be the year that Mike Williams puts it all together. Uh, and it could be with Joe Lombardi. But then with Joe Lombardi, I kind of always go to is like, you know, what if the scheme too complicated? What if it's like he's trying to do New Orleans or, or, or the, the 49ers or, or even what the Raiders were doing with Frank Smith in those days there or even the Packers? Uh, but he said, you know, I asked him, how can you be different? How can you make it to how can you make this a Chargers offense? He, he said he's going to do it around the personnel. There's always a foundation. There's always a base and it could be New Orleans. But, you know, when training camp goes around, you you go where you do best. And it's going to be a lot about Justin Herbert, make him comfortable. So when I heard that, I'm like, OK, he's not trying to copy something. He's trying to get a foundation and then build off of that and make it the Charger way. Yeah, and he was in New Orleans for so long. One of the things that I think Jeff asked just the comparisons of Breeze and Herbert, and it just it starts with the intelligence. Obviously, you know, there are different heights. Uh, Drew plays has played like 286 games versus Justin's 15 starts. So there's a lot of differences, but like some of those intangibles, just the, the intelligence, the, the perfectionist uh, in both of those guys. 
those are the things that that translate and we know how smart justin is uh we'll see maybe throughout this season and beyond how much more he could put on his plate and how much more comfortable he gets in the offense so it it was fun to hear from all three of these guys gil as we kind of get closer to mini camp what else are you keeping your eye on as we get to mini camp and then obviously we talked about Things are going to slow down a lot before training camp. Yeah, we haven't really talked about the offensive line. That's how, that was a big focus in, in the offseason when you got Corey Lindsley and Matt Filer and Odia Bushi. And, and it was kind of interesting watching uh, OTAs. I know not all the guys are there. Brian Bulaga hasn't really been there or Abushi. But looking at the left side with Rashawn Slater and Matt Filer and, and Corey Lindsley, it looks pretty nice right now. Uh, but can they put it together real quick because it's four out of five new stars on the offensive line. Uh, that, that's up to Frank Smith to get it together. And I've heard great things about Frank Smith. So maybe it won't be a problem. Brian Bulaga and Corey Lindsay have a chemistry from the Green Bay days. But I want to see this kind of, you know, this O-line come together <laughs> quick and fast. And and because they're, week one, you're playing Washington, who has one of the best defensive lines. So yeah, there's your test. You get, yeah, your test right away. So I think for me, that, that's kind of where I'm looking at. Uh, obviously, I mentioned the wide receiver. I kind of want to see how that kind of pans out. Um, and, and maybe uh, another safety. We mentioned Nas and Derwin James, but I, and I know uh, Brandon State likes to play a lot of three safeties. So who's going to be that third guy to kind of step up? So many, many intriguing storylines, and, and I'm kind of excited to get past these uh, OTAs and mini camp and get right into training camp. I know. Let's just go now, man. Please. <laughs> I'm ready. Gil Manzano, Southern California News Group, Copas on the Beat. Uh, where can fans get the podcast? Gil, uh, how, how many days a week does it come out? Give me all the good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, once a week right now. It, it, it feels like it's more, but because we're cranking out a lot of content and interviews, and we're putting it together, and it comes out every Tuesday. We're on YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify, so we got audio and video. So we're, we're bringing the best of, of both worlds, and 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 it's been fun. Yeah, like you mentioned, we had Ocho Cinco on, we had Asante Samuel Jr., we had a, a great interview with, with Rashawn Slater. So a lot of Chargers flavor, a lot of other sports as well. Like we're into we're into boxing and wrestling. So and we like to have fun. We have a lot of banter. So. Uh, you know, if you see us on YouTube, uh, Compass on the Beat, subscribe, turn on the little bell for notifications, and don't miss an episode. Put Gil and Fernando in your rotation. Always appreciate the time, man. Uh, I, I wanted to give you your solo time as opposed to the round table, let you fire off some more takes so you're not waiting in line, right? Yeah, that was kind of nice. I'm like, wait, I, I could keep going. I could keep talking. I have a lot of opinions too, you know. <laughs> All right, buddy. I will see you at practice next week, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, Chris. Thank you for the time. And that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Gilbert Manzano and Doug Farrar for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on Chargers.com and the team's official YouTube channel. So if you're watching us on video, appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Avery.